This is Longview Living, the podcast that guides physicians and dentists on a path towards financial security. Welcome to the Longview Living Podcast. My name is Bonnie Catherine Prather, and today we will be discussing the factors contributing to the cost of owning a disability income insurance policy. The goal of this episode is to provide knowledge to make educated decisions when reviewing your current coverage or purchasing new disability income insurance. We are joined by Cooper Smith, financial planner at Longview Planning Partners, and Andrew Stone. Andrew works for MassMutual and he has over 10 years experience within the insurance industry. Andrew and Cooper's conversation is filled with valuable knowledge that I know will help you when making decisions around disability income insurance. So here's today's episode. Thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here, Bonnie. Catherine, really, really excited to do this and educate some of our resident crowd more on, you know, how, on how to build a policy and factors that influx price. Yeah, thanks again, Bonnie Catherine. It's always a pleasure being on the show. Andrew, it really is always a pleasure when you and I get to have a conversation. I know that I always learn a lot personally, so I assume that our listeners will as well. What I figure we could do is start off today with a little bit of a, a cheesy analogy, a question for our listeners. But Andrew, I'm really going to re- direct this question towards you. So it's really proper timing. We've got some tornado warnings this morning in Tennessee. So let's say in this instance, we've got a, a big storm coming. And there's only one thing that we can protect. And out of the options that we have to protect, one, we could protect our home. Two, we could protect our car. Or three, we could protect a magic money machine in our basement that once a year we pull that money machine and one year of our salary just comes out automatically. Now, out of those three, if that storm's coming, which one would you choose to protect? Cooper, that's a great analogy. I I love it because I use that same story. So the ATM machine in my basement, that's what I'm going to protect, right? Yeah. Why, why, Why is that? Reason being is because let's just make a... We'll make up a number here. Let's just say that ATM in your basement shoots out $5,000 a month, right? Mm -hmm. That $5,000 a month, that's your income, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're paying everything else for. So your mortgage, your utilities, your rent, groceries, your insurance, print cell phone insurance, right? Everything that you're paying for is relying on the ATM in your basement, right? So I'm going to make sure that that tornado doesn't destroy that ATM, Yep. To make sure I have that continuously $5,000 coming to me every month. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more there. And for our listeners, if you haven't picked up yet, that magic money machine is actually disability insurance in this case. I think a lot of our listeners out there already know the importance of disability insurance. So we aren't going to be talking about that quite as much today. More so the factors that affect the premium or really the cost of that disability in, in the first place. Uh, the disability insurance in the first place. Now, on average, long-term disability ends up costing about 1% to 3% of your annual salary. There's actually a lot of different factors that go into what affects that cost of that. And today's podcast is really geared towards a lot of our exiting residents that are going to be transitioning into practice this upcoming summer. Andrew, what I figured we'd first talk about, I know it's a big one that affects that cost, is really just the amount of coverage. Talk to me a little bit about how that affects the cost of disability insurance. Yeah, for sure, Cooper. So obviously, like anyone listening to this, right, you know how important this is in your practice, right? 
you know that you've spent time, money, and effort to become specialized being a physician. So you want to make sure as much of that income that you have is covered as possible. Now, a factor that plays into that is the benefit amount, right? So the higher benefit amount you have, the more you're going to be paying in premiums, right? So think about it as a cost per thousand, right? So everything we're going to talk about today is going to dictate that cost per thousand of insurance. Mm-hmm. So the more increments of that thousand thousand uh, benefit amount you have, the more premium you're going to be paying. And what you really want to focus on is, like Cooper said, if you can keep it between that one to four percent of your annual income, the premium, that's the sweet spot for you, right? That's where you're going to be able to make that affordable for yourself. Um, but again, a ten thousand dollar benefit, it's going to cost more on a premium standpoint than a five thousand dollar benefit. So again, keep that in mind when you're looking at what type of benefit do I want. The answer, the question you want to ask yourself is, what am I comfortable with paying? How much can I live on? You need to look at your monthly expenses, your income, and then say to yourself, if I become disabled, if I don't have, if I can't go to work and make my income, what am I going to be comfortable with from a disability income standpoint coming in for me to help pay my mortgage, utilities, groceries? That's the bare minimum, in my opinion, right? Your mug. You'll hear that a lot. People say my mug. That's the bare necessities. That's how you live, your mortgage, utilities, and groceries. So again, that's the question you want to ask yourself when you're looking at what kind of benefit amount you want. How much can I afford right now at this stage in my career? And what do I need to live off of comfortably? Those are the two questions you really want to ask yourself when you're looking at your benefit amount. Is there an instance where you could see that it makes sense or really people's justification behind um, underinsuring themselves and knowingly underinsuring themselves? Not on under insurance, so like my 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 thoughts is on this, right? You're coming out of medical residency, so you're going to have student loans that you're going to have to pay off. Obviously, I know that's a high priority for you, right? But again, like think about being disabled at that time and having student loans to pay off. So I'm not the biggest fan of being underinsured, yeah, right. So say you come out of residency, you're making two hundred thousand, right? If I, if I were in your shoes, what I would do, I would go through underwriting. I would see what the maximum benefit I could get. That's what I'm implying for. That's the importance of it. I would always apply for the max benefit you can get. And if pricing is an issue for you, obviously you can customize these policies. So we can make it affordable. But from an underinsurance standpoint, I like to be insured adequately or even overinsured. If you get an individual policy, then you go to a hospital and maybe they have group insurance now. Technically, you'll be overinsured, but in the disability world, that's not a bad thing in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, insurance definitely isn't the most fun thing to pay premiums on on a monthly basis, but it's one of those things where if something does happen and you need that disability insurance to kick in, at that point, if you're underinsured, it's too late to pick up more coverage, right? So you'd rather have more than enough to allow you to take the trips, pay your bills, allow you to continue saving for all your future goals that you wanted to before, despite something like an illness or an injury coming up and and affecting your ability to do those things. The next thing, and I know that this is really a huge factor that plays into really any type of insurance, and that's medical underwriting. So talk to me a little bit about how that factors into the pricing of disability insurance. Yeah, so the Medical underwriting, there's two pieces of underwriting that really affect you. We're, we're going to get to the latter one here in a little bit, but 
So we'll approach the medical piece first. So think about anything that you have a history of, right? So I see it all the time. There's nothing wrong with this at all. And just so everyone's aware, like most medical residents that I, I see, you know, ADHD medications, right? There's anxiety medications, all kinds of things that's okay you're working with and you, you take medications for. That can affect a policy premium. And what we say that, think of even back surgeries, right? Or knee surgeries you've had. When they medically underwrite you, they look at all this. That could cause an extra rating on your policy. And what, what an extra rating on a policy means is your cost per thousand will be higher than a standard rating, right? Not to say that it's bad or anything, but what that really does, when they underwrite you, they're looking at your chance of becoming disabled in your working career, right? So claims history has shown, and every carrier has claims history, they base this also, but someone who might be taking a certain medication may go out on claim more so often than someone who's not taking that medication. So that's why when you go through medical underwriting, if, you, if they put a rating on you, that's what that truly means. They can also put an exclusion on you where, say you had back surgery two years ago, right? They'll exclude your lower back. And what that basically means is everything else in the medical dictionary could be covered, but if they put an exclusion on your back, that lower back portion would not be covered. And carriers usually will give you a reconsideration period on that piece as well. So say you bought a policy with an exclusion, right? Two years later, you've never missed work. Treatment went well. You've never had this three surgeries. You can apply to have those exclusions taken off a policy. So keep that in mind when you know you might have some medical issues to overcome. Don't not take a policy because of an exclusion or a rating, right? Those items are there because the chance of you becoming disabled are higher, but you can also apply later on in your career to have those items taken off. You will go through underwriting again to get those items taken off. But again, I would rather you have a policy with an exclusion or rating than to not take a policy. And then all of a sudden you get in a car crash, right? And you're not covered because you didn't want to take it because of a rating. I think it's important to note too that there are some residency programs out there that offer disability insurance without having to prove that insurability right where you just check a box you fill out a form and you've got that coverage and they don't go through that process of, of taking a look at your medical history is that something that you're familiar with yeah so all carriers all carriers have a program kind of like a simplified underwriting program or express underwriting program right um what that basically means is you do the application, you'll ask you medical questions. That's really what they're going to be asking. You won't have to get a paramed or anything done, right? It's kind of expedited underwriting, um, but that'll, that'll push you through. Now, some carriers out there, some schools have programs where they have like a guaranteed issue mm -hmm. disability, right? So guaranteed issue, basically you answer a handful of questions. Are you currently working? Are you in residency now? Um, do you use tobacco, yes or no? Those are the main questions. They guarantee you a policy, right? So even technically, even if you had some issue where you might be uninsurable, under a guaranteed issue policy, you can get a policy. So again, just keep that in mind when you're looking at what's offered to you out there in your programs you're going to be joining or in the schools you're in right now. Look at what kind of offerings the, the school has for you. So you're saying health is obviously a big factor, and I know something else that that plays into that equation is age. How much does age really affect that premium number? Yeah, so this is this is one of my 
this is a f- fun time to touch on because just like anything else in life, right? The older you get, the more expensive life becomes, mm-hmm. right? So I'm glad everyone's on this podcast listening to this. That shows me you're doing the right thing. You're thinking about it now because disability insurance is never going to be as cost effective as it is today. So each age, each year that you get older, the cost per thousand is going to become more expensive. So that's why I'm a big fan of everyone listening to this. If you can hear me, hear me, hear me loud and clear. You need to lock in insurance when you're young and healthy. That's when it's going to be most cost effective. And the nice thing is that premium you're paying is going to be the premium you pay for the rest of your life, unless you decide to make the policy better, which everyone on this call will be doing, right? Your income will be increasing over time, right? So you'll be increasing your benefits. You may even need multiple policies, right? To support your income. But keep that in mind. Disability insurance is never as cost effective as it is today. And, and you really never know what's going to happen in the future. A story comes to mind. I actually used to work with a guy. Um, he had an eye infection a couple of years back. It was called optic neuritis. It wasn't a big deal at the time. He went to the doctor, got some eye drops, and it was fixed in about a week. He went to have his first daughter uh, and went to go pick up some more insurance. And the insurance came back and said, well, optic neuritis is a red flag for MS. You're no longer insurable. So here's an instance of a guy who seemingly is young and healthy, but had something like that come up where you know he waited too long in that instance. And now he can't pick up that insurance. So again, I, I'm with you there. Really have a strong conviction. Like you said, you're the youngest and healthiest that you're ever going to be today. Yeah, Cooper, that's a great point. Because I've even, so I've been the, disability insurance world for about 13 years now and i see i see it all the time i've had doctors come to me in their 50s right they have never got an individual policy they've always relied on the hospital group plan now they're in private practice right so they they want some individual disability insurance and it amazes me that they've made it that long without even thinking about it but it happens to people um then they apply for the insurance they're uninsurable so you got a doctor who's making, you know, 500, 600,000 a year needing protection because they know they have an issue now. Realistically, it's what it is. They come to get underwritten and now you can't get it. So that $600,000 salary, Lord forbid something happened to that, that client, they're disabled. They're going to have no income coming in now because they didn't approach it when they were a resident for the first couple of years in practice, which is, again, I, Cooper's hitting on it well. Like It's so important that you focus on this now when you're young and healthy. And I know that we touched on this just a little bit in the last podcast that we were on together, but occupation classes. I know that that can have a, a big weight in determining what that premium is. Talk to me a, a little bit about occupation classes. Yeah. So, again, each carrier has occupation classes and how they determine your occupation class. They look at the duties of your your job. Right. So. There are certain physicians that have more physical duties than other physicians. And so each carrier bases that. They look at the duties. They look at their claims history. So we'll just use a ER physician as an example, right? They'll go look at all the ER physicians that they have written. They look back at the history of that, and they see how many ER physicians have gone out on claim. That's how they give you an occupation class. So it's not based on anything else other than what type of doctor you specialize in, right? So you want to tell them the specialty you have. That'll give you your occupation class. Again, certain specialties have higher risk than other specialties. So the higher risk specialties have a higher cost of insurance. 
um, you know, like a family practice doctor is a very low risk from a claim standpoint occupation to have. Um, so keep that in mind, right? It's not like an insurance carrier's trying to hurt you for for being in a higher risk position. It's just they look at their claims history and that's what dictates truly the occupation class that you'll be given. And that's really a good transition into our next topic is riders, right? And when I say riders, I really mean features on the policy. I know that obviously the more riders or features you have, the more expensive that premium can be. But I think there's a lot of riders out there that are pretty important. So kind of just touch on some of the major ones that you see and, and why someone may consider adding those onto their policy. Yeah. So you know, if you look at these policies, and again, any carrier out there, they have a list of riders, right? 10 to 12 even, some carriers have. As a physician, my, my, my brother, just so everyone knows on the call, my brother is an interventional radiologist. He's a partner at a firm in North Carolina where I am. Um, for a physician, there's about five, four to six riders, I would say, you were one on the policy, right? So the most important one that I can, there's two that are really important for physicians, partial or residual. And that's a, that, that, that's a partial claim or residual claim. And what we mean by that is, say you're an interventional cardiologist. You get disabled, you're out of work. You're now back working as an interventional cardiologist, but you're limited in some function now, right? You get a disability benefit, even though you're back working in your original job. The idea is to bring you back close to whole, even though you're limited now. And the reason why I say that's the most important rider for anyone to have, even outside of the physician world, most claims are partial, not total. So in the real world, that's the claim you're going to be using as your partial claim. Now, everyone knows that a car crash where you're paralyzed or EMS or cancer does happen. Those are total claims, right, where you're not working at all. Another important rider for anyone on the call, and I know everyone's probably heard this, but own occupation. So true own occupation is important for you. And what that allows you to do, I'll give you the example again. I'm an interventional cardiologist. I'm disabled and I can't do my interventional cardiology duties but maybe I can go teach at a medical school, right? That, that rider allows me to work in another occupation and still collect my full disability benefit, even though I'm working in another occupation. That's really important for anyone who spent time, money, or effort to become specialized because you want to protect that specialty you're in, that interventional cardiology job you're in. That's what you want to protect. Not to say you have to go work in another occupation. It gives you the option to go work at as a family practice doctor, a medical school professor, librarian, whatever you want to be, and you still collect your full disability benefit. Mm. Another one I would focus on for y'all is the, a future purchase option. Carriers call them many different things, but if you, if you say that, and a, a good advisor will know what that is, this allows you to increase your monthly benefit throughout your career without having to go through medical insurability, which is the mm. big piece, right? Because Cooper already talked on this. You could have a policy 10 years later, you might be uninsurable. If you don't have a future purchase option on the policy, you have to go through medical underwriting to increase your benefit with your increased income. That's the key, right? We all, everyone on this call is going to have increased income over their careers. You want to increase your benefits to match that. And the future purchase option, that lets you do it without medical insurability. You just show financials. 
two more, I guess you could you could throw in there would be a COLA cost of inflation rider, and then a catastrophic rider. And the catastrophic rider is really neat because it covers um, you can't do two of the six ADLs, which is like combing your hair, brushing your teeth, feeding yourself. Right? It covers more severe disabilities, dementia, Alzheimer's, cognitive are included in those as well. So that's more severe disabilities, right? And if you get disabled like that, obviously your expenses are going to be a lot higher. So that really helps you get more benefit than you should financially qualify for. And if you're in that pinch, it can really help out. Um, those would be the main ones. They also have student loan riders out there. So obviously people on the call, I know we have student loans. There's student loan riders some carriers have. And then there's a retire, retirement protection you can get as well that covers retirement contributions. Those are the main riders. Again, there's like 10 to 12 that carriers all have. Those are the ones that you, you as a physician would really would want to see on your policy. I think what's important to note, because it's easy to get overwhelmed with all the, the different riders that are out there. So I think it's, it's important that one, you're talking with a trusted professional that you know will steer you, steer you in the right direction. But really, the most important thing is taking time to actually think about what you want your policy to do, as opposed to just trying to get that monthly benefit down as low as possible. Sure, taking some of these riders off will make it less expensive. But even to echo your point on the residual coverage, I've heard up to 90 percent of claims end up being those partial claims there. So, again, the last thing you'd want to do is be paying a disability insurance premium. And then you get disabled and maybe it's not a full disability, but then the policy doesn't even pay out. Right. So, again, it's, it's easy to get fixated on price, especially when you're going from residency where income is a lot lower um, to going out and practice. Right. You still have a lot of those habits ingrained where you're trying to save as much money as possible. But again, you really just want to be focusing on what you actually want that policy to do. Yeah, that's spot on. That's spot on. So, um, one thing also, so like Cooper just said, when you think about that, you want to build the policy that you're going to utilize in the real world, right? So like not putting a partial on it in the real world, that's what most claims in. So like you want to make sure what you pay for is something you're going to utilize. God forbid you ever need it. So talk to me a little bit about uh, benefit period or or and really, and elimination period or waiting period. I know you've got some options there. How does each one affect that premium? Yeah, so benefit periods are the time that you get paid a benefit. So you get paid until you're healthy and back at work or until your benefit period ends, right? Waiting period is how long, waiting period, elimination period is how long you have to be disabled, not working before your benefits kick in. So the longer the waiting period, the shorter the, the smaller the premium will be. However, keep this in mind, y'all. Some companies have year-long waiting. You can choose several different waiting periods. Some companies have a year-long waiting period. Think about this. Working for a year, not having income coming in. What does that look like? The answer, not that well, right? You might not make it through that year period. So my suggestion, you look at your short-term disability insurance you have. Usually that's going to be three months or six months, right? Let that dictate what your waiting periods are going to be. So if you have three months short-term disability insurance, you're going to have a 90-day waiting period on your on your disability insurance. On average, for most doctors, that's what I see. You're, you're using 90 days or 180 days as a waiting period. From a benefit period standpoint, 
the shorter benefit period you have, the smaller your premium will be, right? So carriers have all kinds of options, can go anywhere from two years up to age 70. What you, a question to ask yourself is for a benefit period is, A, what's your risk tolerance? B is how, when do you think you're gonna retire? On average, I would say 90 to 95% of policies I look at have age 65 or age 67, right? Um, you can go shorter, two, five, 10 years, you know? Um, but again, if you're permanent, let's say I'm 36. So let's say I get permanently disabled. If I have a five, I get paralyzed. I have a five-year benefit period. I'm only going to get paid for five years. So 41 for the rest of my life, that's going to be on me, right? If I had an age 67 benefit period and I'm paralyzed, I get paid all the way to age 67. So again, that's that's just something you need to think about just to give everyone advice. Most most clients I see, most physicians, they're looking at the age 65, age 67. And I think it's important to know for all of our residents out there that your greatest asset right now is your ability to go out and earn an income. Right? If you totaled up everything that you're going to make from now till when you retire, the number's probably going to be in the in the multiple millions. Problem with that is you can't take a duffel bag to the bank, drop it on the counter and say, hey, I'll take it all in hundreds, right? So you definitely want to make sure that you spent all this time and effort to train. You're making sure that you're properly protected from that standpoint. I know that there's a couple different ways that premiums are structured, kind of the main two being graded and level. Talk to me a little bit about the differences between each of those. Yeah, for sure. So two different premium structures, right? Level and graded. Think about a graded premium. Think about it like annual renewable term insurance. If you're not, not familiar with what annual renewable term insurance is, the graded premium will be less expensive than a level premium up front, right? The graded premium, every single year you get older, the premium will increase on you. So it's like a step ladder, right? Each year you get older, your premium goes up. A level premium is, say you got a premium of $200, right? Each year you get older, that premium stays level at 200, right? So initially, if you're trying to save money up front, you may wanna look at a graded premium, right? Cause it'll be less expensive. Just keep in mind that it goes up every single year. If you select that graded premium, you have the option to convert it to level when you want to. So maybe you're just out of school. Maybe you're in residency still, right? You love the idea. You love the plan. You love all the riders, benefit period. One way to help with pricing is to use that graded premium. Just keep in mind when you start making money, I would switch it over to level premium as, as early as possible because eventually that graded premium will become more than level premium. And the level premium that you lock in will be at that age that you lock in. So if you're 25, right, you get a graded, you wait till 34 to switch it to level. That level premium is going to be at that 34-year-old level. So again, keep that in mind. I would rather someone take a graded premium than not take a policy at all, right? I'm a fan of the level premium. I like to lock that premium in when you're young and healthy because, again, like I said earlier, it's never as cost-effective as it is today. But again, if that's an issue I would where you wouldn't take the policy at level, please take the graded premium just because like you want to lock that insurability in. You want to get your policy in your hand in case something happens to you. One of the things that actually surprised me when I was doing a little bit of research on different things that affect disability insurance premium, believe it or not, actually your location of purchase. So the state that you're purchasing your disability insurance in 
can have an effect on that coverage. That wasn't something that I was aware of before. How does that really work? Yeah, so different states have different pricing, right? So there's certain states out there where due to factors outside of all of our hands on the call, right? So claims history has a lot to do with it as well, but also like political factors have something to do with it as well, right? So certain states out there have higher costs of insurance. So most states are fairly regular, so like a Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, you know, uh, Missouri, they're all relatively the same. Um, but some some of the states that have the higher premiums are like uh, California, New York, Florida, for instance. Their rates are higher than other states out there. So if you're if you're in a program, right, where you're in Florida, and maybe maybe you got a job already, and you're moving to Tennessee to become a to, after your residency to become a doctor, you may want to ask your advisor, hey, can you show me the Florida right now? Can you show me the Tennessee right now um, to see which one may be more affordable for you, right? Because again, that Tennessee rate may be more affordable than that Florida rate. So keep that in mind when you're in, if you're in a program now, you're going to another state, maybe to do your practice, ask that question, have that, hey, can you show me a, this state versus this state and see which one's better for you? Interesting. So what I'm hearing kind of to, to summarize our conversation, there's a lot of different factors that play into this. So again, for our listeners out there, don't let yourself go get overwhelmed. I think that the main thing that you want to do is make sure that you're talking with a trusted professional that is going to steer you in the right, right direction when it comes to picking your disability insurance policy. And, and really the most important is making sure that your policy covers exactly what you want. Andrew, today has been extremely helpful. You're always a wealth of information. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on and educate us today. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot, Cooper. Always enjoy this, and I'm happy to, happy to help out with anybody. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Longview Living Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and benefited from the information we shared. Your time and attention on a regular basis are a gift. As always, you can head over to longviewplan.com to sign up to receive our newsletter, as well as check out all the resources on our page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.